eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we are both, I think, officially healthy as healthy as we can be. Um, so what I've gathered over the last month is that we're either going to need to expand the roster and have like a collaborative Pax What She Said, or we're just going to have to, you know, be in bubbles for the next two years so that we can uh, keep bringing you episodes without interruption. So Perry, how are you feeling? I'm good. Um, having COVID for a second time wouldn't recommend it, but um, it was not as bad as the first time at all. And uh, now hopefully I've got some antibodies to work with for the rest of the summer. So here we are. Just had to, you know, miss July 4th weekend, which is fine. <laughs> so sorry to everyone for not having an episode last week, but I was sleeping like 14 hours a day. Well, honestly, if there's a time to miss an episode, it is in the middle of the dead zone. True. So I think I think we were okay. Um, we did say this week that we were going to talk about the NFC North, and we will do that. But really quickly, just wanted to to hear from you about this. Obviously, some some record breaking news today in the NFL. A Sandra Douglas Morgan is breaking barriers as the first Black woman president in NFL history, taking over as the Las Vegas Raiders president, which is very exciting. So since we are packed, what she said, I wanted to, to get your thoughts on that. Um, I just saw it right before we started recording. I love it, of course. Um, there is just nothing that makes me happier than seeing representation in a space that I love um, that is always, I think, lacking that representation. So I applaud her for paving the way. I am not at all surprised that it's the Raiders because, you know, they birthed Amy Trask and gave her that opportunity. And, and they've always kind of been um, been that kind of organization that kind of plows ahead. So just excited. And I hope that there are more to come. 
Yeah, if we already weren't going to be keeping an eye on the Raiders this year because of Devontae Adams, we have another reason to to kind of root a little bit for one of the uh, the AFC West teams. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, the AFC West. We said we would talk about the NFC North. Um, so what we're going to do today is just kind of go through each of the three division rivals, look at the changes that they made to the front office and the roster, and then give some general predictions about, you know, do we think that they're a better football team? Do we think that they're worse? Do we see them competing with the Packers for any type of, you know, division race? So, yeah. (laughs) No, but we'll go. We'll get there. (laughs) All right. So starting with the Vikings, they obviously fired Mike Zimmer and general manager Rick Spielman. They replaced them with Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. O'Connell was brought in. Um, he brought in Wes Phillips to be his offensive coordinator, who was the passing go- coordinator and tight ends coach under O'Connell with the Rams. Ed Donatell is their defensive coordinator. Mike Patton, familiar face, comes in at assistant head coach and also brought with him Mike Smith to be the, the outside linebackers edge coach. So kind of kind of something we saw coming, right? Didn't the, the writing was on the wall for Mike Zimmer, I think, for a while. Yeah. He knew it too uh, by the end of the season. And it's not to say that I think Zimmer is a bad coach. I actually think he is a great coach. And I'm, I hope that he he hasn't landed anywhere, has he? Mm-mm. I don't think so. So, I mean, I think any like organization would be happy to have him as like a defensive mind. But it just felt like time. You know, sometimes you just need a refresh button. I, I think not the same, but like a similar to like a McCarthy thing where someone's just been there for so long and you just kind of need a re- reset. That being said, I have like mixed feelings about what the Vikings have done. Um, I think the new GM was a great move, and I think he's made some really nice moves this offseason. Um, question, I have question marks about the head coach just because, I mean, similar questions, I guess, to what we had with Matt LaFleur, right? Coming in is like, it's this kind of Sean McVay tree. Is he actually going to be a good coach or is he just like tied to someone who is known for producing good coaches? He didn't call plays. So what's it going to be like as a play caller? I just think it's like a very interesting dynamic. I think obviously it all hinges on his relationship with Kirk and what he's going to be able to get out of Kirk Cousins. He naturally has some great offensive weapons to work with um, in Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. So um, on the flip side, yeah, I mean, I guess getting Patton and Mike Smith is you're getting some like insider knowledge on your biggest rival within the division. Um we are big fans of Mike Smith and I think he, that room is just going to get such a facelift, which is like unfortunate for the Packers, but it's like, <laughs> like great for those players or they got Zedarius Smith as well. They got Chandon Sullivan. So they're, they're getting some, some ballers. Um, it's just whether for me, it's always like, are the Vikings just going to be able to put it together? And is Kirk Cousins going to be Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. I just think they they have a ceiling with him as their quarterback. Yeah, so let's talk about that because Kirk Cousins obviously was one of the names that they re-signed. They also brought back cornerback uh, Patrick Peterson and kicker Greg Joseph. So no names really that were surprising, you know, moves kind of I think we thought that they would make. Um, But then they added in free agency defensive tackle Julian Taylor from the 49ers, corner Nate Hairston from the Broncos, offensive lineman Jesse Davis from the Dolphins. You mentioned Shandon Sullivan already and Zedarius Smith, guard Chris Reed from the Colts, Center Austin Schlotman from the Broncos, 
Uh, defensive tackle Harrison Phillips from the Bills, tight end Johnny Munt from the Rams, which makes sense now given um, the Wes Phillips connection and the Kevin O'Connell connection, and then linebacker Jordan Hicks from the yeah. Cardinals. So any moves that you know you particularly loved or anyone that kind of moves the needle for you as far as you know what they add to the roster? No, I mean, I think they're solid moves. Um, I definitely, what catches my eye more than anything is them beefing up the offensive line, um, which is always a good idea, uh, especially, you know, in a division that has like pretty good edge rushers and obviously like some great edge rushers. Now, you know, you've got Aiden Hutchinson that you're going up against twice a season. You're getting Rashawn Gary twice a season. So it's a good idea to protect your quarterback. Um, But nothing that really moves the needle for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it really felt like, you know, a lot of these these additions were because of the subtractions that they made. So they they brought in offensive linemen because they lost Dakota Dozer. They lost tight end Tyler Conklin. Um, they lost Michael Pierce along the defensive line. Um, Nick Vigil was their linebacker. So, you know, the Jordan Hicks signing made sense as like a replacement value. Um, but I think safety Xavier Woods, who played every snap for the Vikings, is probably their biggest loss as far as, you know, a starting production. But I think that's why they had the draft that they did. So yeah. any, any thoughts on the roster before we move to the draft? No, I mean, I think they still have their kind of key players. When I think about the Vikings, I already kind of yeah. mentioned the offense, but like you think about them, you think about Harrison Smith, you think about Danelle Hunter, you think about um, Eric Hendricks, right? Like they have their key guys still. I just wonder, you know, they're, they're not getting any younger. So if you're not supplementing your stars, if you will, with younger talent, I don't know if they're going to be better on that side of the ball, even though they still have all of these great players, like they're reaching, I think a certain point where they might be on like the downswing watch Eric Hendricks goes out and has like a baller season, but you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's the supplement of it and, and what the new staff are going to be able to get out of them, but they still have all their, all their key guys, like all, all the guys that you would talk about last season or the season before um, they, they still have, and they have arguably, you know, the biggest like rising star at wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, the the names that they needed to retain, they obviously still have on the roster. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, those are guys that will will make them immediate threats on offense. They retained some of their bigger names on defense. But you do wonder, you know, they've had these players for the last couple seasons. At what point are you kind of, like you said, just, you know, you're replacing that supplement of your team and staying consistent. Is there anybody that's going to move the needle and get them over the hump to help them to make like a deep playoff push? So um, Kwesi's first draft as the general manager in the first round, pick number 32, obviously he had traded back. He took Lewis Seen out of Georgia, which was very unfortunate for Packers fans. Um, then in the second round, Andrew Booth Jr., the corner out of Clemson. Second pick in the second round, he took Ed Ingram, the guard out of LSU. Um, and then just, you know, a lot of supplementary pieces the rest of the way. Brian Osamoa, the linebacker. A Caleb Evans, the corner out of Missouri. A couple running backs, a wide receiver, a tight end. So nobody really, to me, outside of Scene and Booth, that yeah. felt like immediate impact players, which is to be expected. Yeah. I mean, I think they also had to do that, right? Because they lost Anthony Harris and they've lost a couple of guys in that DB room. Um, I'm blanking on the cornerback's name that, you know, unfortunately ended up um, off the roster after they drafted him due to kind of some off the field issues. But again, it just feels like need. Now I do think they made great picks, right. And obviously they, 
traded with the Packers. The Packers got Christian Watson out of that trade. Um, but, I mean, Scene's going to be a baller player. I think him and Harrison Smith is going to be a really, really fun, fun combo. I mean, to come into the league and be behind one of um, – you know, just a safety that's been in the league for that long and has played at such a high level like Harrison Smith. I think it's like a perfect situation for scene, but um, yeah, it's, it's again, I think there's subtractions and additions that leaves them at kind of like a net new neutral place for me. So then, you know, I guess that begs the question of knowing, you know, the way that the team shook out last season, they had an eight and nine record. Where do you see them finishing up, you know, in the division in 2022? Are they better? Are they worse? Do they have a shot at the playoffs? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I see them as, like, still a pretty, like, 500, maybe a little bit above 500 team, like, wild card. Like, I I, I don't see it any different. And, again, I think new regime could bring out some new juice in some of these players. And I think you always have to look at their offensive weapons as kind of a carry, but again, I have said it and I'll say it again. Like, I just think this team has a ceiling when your quarterback is Kirk cousins and that ceiling is wild card. But I think that they're like probably the Packers biggest competitor still when it comes to like within the division. I don't think that anyone, I don't see the Vikings unseating the Packers as the number one in the division, but they're definitely number two. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the first couple of games and we'll talk about the bears in just a second, but the first couple of games for the Packers are really interesting because you're looking at two brand new head coaches, the rosters themselves maybe didn't have like a ton of turnover. The, the familiar faces are still there, but it does still feel like based on the additions that these teams made that, it's the Packers window and the Packers window will stay open until a team like the Vikings proves that they're thinking about long-term. And I think, you know, they now have the pieces in a new head coach in a new general manager who can maybe point them in the right, in the right direction. But I think definitely this season, maybe like a, like a 10 and seven ceiling for them and a potential wild card would make sense. Yep. I agree with you. All right. So let's talk about our, our Chicago bears. <laughs> Yeah, so front office changes, obviously, they fired Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace, which both, I think, were a long time coming, hired Matt Eberflus, who was the Colts defensive coordinator, really liked those defensive-minded guys in Chicago, hired Ryan Poles as their new general manager, Luke Getze took over as offensive coordinator, obviously leaving the Packers, Alan Williams is the new defensive coordinator, and he was the Colts safeties coach for the last four years with Matt Eberflus, so... Yeah, I mean, I think this was one of the least surprising changes in the offseason that Matt Nagy, you know, was shown the door. Yeah, I mean, it's not not a surprise at all. Um, it was time, obviously. He was not not it. I mean, I don't know too, too much about these changes. Um, I think, obviously, we – I think it's interesting that they brought in kind of a defensive-minded um, – head coach. Um, I think it makes sense for the bears, right? They've always been kind of a defense first team. Um, and obviously they got Getsy, which is again, like just pulling from your division rival and get some insider knowledge. And he, you know, we know took equity St. Brown with him as well. So 
I don't know. It's, it's the bears. So it's kind of hard to have like a, they're kind of, to me, like a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of team. Like, I think there's some teams that you can make these changes and give the benefit of the doubt to. I mean, I almost, I almost feel like that with the Vikings where I'm like, okay, I can see these moves. Like I can see the Vikings getting better with the bears. It's just, <laughs> there's so much history that proves, proves otherwise. Yeah, and I mean, I think this roster, too, just if we're looking at, you know, the scope of the NFC North, just completely decimated. And, you know, that's kind of to be expected. Some general managers and head coaches obviously inherit better rosters. If you're looking at Matt LaFleur, he came in and had a really good situation under his belt already. Ted Thompson left the roster in really good hands for Brian Gutekunst. Not the case here with GM Ryan Pace leaving and then handing things over to Ryan Poles. Just from a a subtraction standpoint, the Bears lost James Daniels, who played over a 1,000 snaps for them on the offensive line. Backup Andy Dalton is whatever. Wide receiver Allen Robinson went to the Rams. That was a big loss for them. Bilal Nichols, corner Artie Burns, Akeem Hicks agreed to a one-year deal with Tampa Bay, traded Khalil Mack to the Chargers, Eddie Goldman just got signed by the Falcons, Danny Trevathan gone, and even punter uh, Pat O'Donnell now with the Packers. So just decimated, you know, some names that have been on the the Bears roster for a long time as mainstays. Yeah, hearing like the Akeem, the Akeem Hicks move, I think was the the biggest to me that was like, whoa, you know, that's like, that is the Bears. That's he's been the Bears defense for so long. Um, I mean, you just watch like the trade they had for Cleo Mack. Now he's gone. It just, there's so many moves that I think that my biggest takeaway for the Bears is like, you just drafted, you know, hopefully your, your franchise quarterback, right. He's, he's your first round pick and you have nothing to support him with. Like you have no weapons, you have no defense. Like you're not going to be able to properly evaluate Justin Fields based on what the bears have given him. And again, it could be that this new coach is great. And it could be that I hope, you know, Getsy is, successful but at the same time it's like with what weapons like your main wide receiver is gone who do you have Darnell Mooney like I don't like there is just nothing there and so if you want to be at all successful you have to put pieces around your quarterback and they don't have that and I feel for Justin Fields because you and I have said this countless times on the show like we want him to be successful I loved him coming out of college And I think he has so many incredible traits, but it's just this whole debate of like nature versus nurture where it's like, if you're put into a poor situation as a quarterback, look at Trevor Lawrence last year, like you're probably not going to get maximum like optimization out of that player. And the bears are just not going to get it out of Justin Fields and they're not going to be successful if they don't have a good quarterback and the rest of it is kind of moot. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the additions that they made, they just, nothing makes up for the subtractions that they had. You know, they brought in Lucas Patrick to be their center, which I think makes some sense for them. Uh, Linebacker Nick Moreau, Matt Adams. uh, Their wide receivers are Brian, uh, Byron Pringle, Equinemia St. Brown, who you mentioned, and David Moore, who I believe just got arrested. So I don't know if he's even going to be available for training camp. Um, They brought in a couple defensive tackles, but not names, you know, that would be replacing guys like Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. They brought in a fullback and then a couple defensive backs who, again, don't replace the production of even a guy like Artie Burns at this point. So just nothing that the the Bears did really 
replacing Andy Dalton with Trevor Simeon as a backup that, that makes you feel very confident in the direction that this team is going, at least, you know, in the short term. Yeah, no, I mean, you said it, it's just, and I think there's certain teams that are clearly not, and we'll probably talk about that with the lions that are not contenders this season, but you can see the roadmap, Mm -hmm. see the building blocks. You can see the moves that they're making you can see where they're headed. For me, the with the Bears, and this is not at all me being like a Packers fan. This is just like straight objectively, what are you doing? Yeah. Just like what is the vision? What is the mission here? Because, okay, we you start with Justin Fields. Great. Love the pick. Now what? Right? Mm-hmm. Is your offensive line strong? No. Do you have weapons for him to throw to? No. Do you have a good, strong defense to at least try to, like, keep it to low-scoring games and see what Justin Fields get? No. So, like, what is the vision here? Yeah. And, I mean, I think, you know, this is a Bears team that's kind of hamstrung themselves because of a lot of the trades they made. They traded to acquire Justin Fields, which, again, could be a franchise move. You know, he could be the guy for a long time. But you're going into a draft now with a new general manager and a new head coach, and your first pick isn't until 39 in the second round. So they took Kyler Gordon out of Washington, a good corner. They took Jaquan Brisker, a safety out of Penn State in the second. Took a wide receiver in Vellis Jones Jr. out of Tennessee. And then again, it's all depth pieces. There's nobody, you know, Vellis Jones maybe will be a starter at wide receiver opposite like Darnell Mooney because they're just out of options at that point. 25. Yes, he's one of the oldest receivers in the draft class. (laughs) So... Yeah. I mean, I love the two first two picks again, right? Like, young guys, young secondary guys, both of whom we loved in the draft, mm-hmm. like great picks. But for me, again, I think it's the thought process of, okay, we want to get like good young rookie starters in who need to be trained up, who need to like get to that NFL level, who else is in that room to help them get there. Right. Or are we just throwing these rookies out there week one and saying, good luck, because that's what it feels like the bears are doing. You can't rely on your rookie picks, especially when they're, like you said, the first pick was at 39, right. This is not a first rounder and they shouldn't be expected to be day one starters, but they're going to have to be. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the kind of nice thing, I guess, that you could argue, you know, are, you know, Darnell Mooney's going into his third year. So you've got a couple years left of him to, he's already developed chemistry with Justin Fields. He had a really good season. Cole Komet, you know, is kind of coming on. He could have, you know, that kind of growth we expect from tight ends, but yeah. just, just the roster as a whole is really underwhelming. And for a team that went six and 11 last year, I don't know if I see them even hitting that in 2022. I agree. I mean, again, like David Montgomery, Cleo Herbert, great tandem. I thought mm-hmm. Cleo Herbert looked, looked pretty good last year, but there's just nothing that moves the needle, really. I think, like, what they did was they added players who are, like, wide receiver three on other teams, you know, like like Byron Pringle, and they don't – I mean, you could say the same thing about the Packers, honestly, but they, they just don't have anyone that's like, okay – wow, like, let's do this. Let's like see that Justin Fields to Allen Robinson connection now, you know, like that guy is gone. Um, I mean, they still have Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith who are good players, but it just feels like a shell of what they were. Yeah. And I mean, I think we saw that not to use the Packers as an example because they've still fielded historically good teams, but like guy like Eddie Jackson can only do so much for your secondary. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains for some of these young guys. So I think what we're seeing with the Bears is they're going to have 
some good players at some premium positions, but I just don't think it'll be enough to, to get them over the hump and help them win games. Yeah. So Ross, I mean, um, record. I mean, I agree with you. I think this is the bears to me are the fourth place right now in NFC North. Um, Yes. I mean, six and 11 even feels like a feat. I don't know. I'd have to look at their schedule, but yeah, it's not, it's not great. And again, I feel for Justin Fields because I want to see what he can do because I think he's so talented, but it's going to be hard to see what he can do with no one to do it with. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe the best move that the bears made all off season was to bring in Luke Getze because if you're talking about developing your quarterback, at least give him a couple more years and don't shoot him in the foot. Like we've seen with guys like Mitch Trubisky where they just, you know, have no support around them and then they fizzle out and now they're relegated to being a backup bouncing around the league. So hopefully Luke Getze can do something there, but again, that's one guy, one position. And if the supporting cast isn't there, fields can only do so much on his own too. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but you see a lot of fields uh, running a lot of quarterback draws. Yeah, hope he uh, you know didn't skip leg day. But last team um, we'll talk about obviously is the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, the knee biter himself, he didn't make really any significant changes to the front office. Just has a new offensive coordinator and Ben Johnson elevated um, from the tight ends coach to offensive coordinator because Anthony Lynn became the assistant head coach of the 49ers. So I don't know. I, Dan Campbell to me is such like a fun enigma of a person where he's he's like fits perfectly as what I would envision the Lions head coach to look like and be yeah he brings the energy I think he even though the record doesn't show it I think the Lions were a completely different team last year they have like that dog mentality they have they have a winning mentality in that locker room I think he's done a lot for their culture I love love that he promoted internally Um, I think that says a lot about how he feels about their staff also and their position coaches. So I love that move. I know we're going to get into the things that they did this off season, but again, I think they're, they're setting a foundation, right? Like we can sit here and say like, okay, Jared Goff isn't their future and that's fine. But we knew that when they traded for him, right? We knew this was like a two, three year Scott situation where they're going to go and try to get a quarterback this year or next year. Um, the thing about it, though, is that in order to get the quarterback they want, their record can't be that good. But I think they might win some games this year. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I agree with you. I think Dan Campbell is everything that this team is needed. Yeah. I mean, especially the way that you talked before about, you know, teams having a roadmap. And we're not sure what the Vikings roadmap looks like. The Bears roadmap, it just, you know, it feels like it got blown up somewhere. And they are just like in the weeds and don't even have their map in front of them. The Lions have a very clear path as to what we think they're doing piece by piece. And a lot of the subtractions that they made, honestly, were were smart moves that made a lot of sense for the roster. So like releasing Trey Flowers saved them $10 million in cap space, and he only played seven games for them in 2021. Um, a lot of the guys they cut played like 60% of defensive snaps or less. So obviously you know, good depth pieces, but replacement level players. And I think the bears, you know, we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes, but they hit their draft out of the park. So assuming they can get production out of the guys that they did bring in like wide receiver DJ Chark, who, you know, one year, 10 mil was maybe a little rich cornerback. Mike Hughes trying to rejuvenate his career safety Deshaun Elliott and linebacker Gerard Davis. I think that the lions are going to be okay. And I kind of could see them competing for second place in the division. 
I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And you also saw like Amon Ross St. Brown came alive in the mm-hmm. second half of the season. And so you're getting that kind of um, next jump from what is it? It'll be a sophomore season. Um, and they have, they have players like they have DeAndre Swift. They still have Jamal Williams. I mean, Josh Reynolds is like, man, he's another like cute wide receiver three Quintus Cephas who looked great too. So it'll be interesting. I know we're going to talk about their draft picks in a second, but I, I love their draft picks and I think they made really smart moves. there. also TJ Hawkinson. Who's like maybe one of the best like ascending tight ends in the league. So like we said, you can kind of see the pieces fitting together slowly. Again, it doesn't mean that they're going to be like fighting the Packers for first place and getting like a wild card spot, but I can see them next season or the season after like actually being contenders. Yeah. And I think the moves that they did make, like the re-signings, they're not splashy by any sense, but they make sense as far as, you know, Dan Campbell and Jared Goff and keeping those kind those, you know, roster decisions comfortable. So Josh Reynolds, like you said, he's probably a wide receiver three, but he has a connection with Goff from LA. So that makes a lot of sense. You bring in quarterback, Tim Boyle, who knows what that's like, but he's proven to be a reliable backup. Maybe he competes for a starting job in a couple of years. You don't know what that looks like. If nothing else, he's a good locker room presence to help a young rookie develop. Linebacker Alex Anzalone came with Campbell from the Saints. So just a lot of pieces that, you know, they're not flashy, they're not splashy, but they make sense as far as how, how you'd construct a roster with a younger head coach in the NFL. Yeah. Younger as far as tenure, not, you know, age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A newer head coach. I also think like I have pretty like decent expectations for some of their young players that they did just draft. Like you're going to get Jeff Akuda back. You're going to get Efetu Melifanwu. Like you would hope that Akuda pans out to be, you know, the cornerback that you would hope he was going to be at the draft status that he was taking. And same with um, Melifanwu, right? Like that's a, if they end up being what everyone thought that they would be during the draft process, like that's a really solid cornerback room, right? And you said Deshaun Elliott came in. They have the pieces. Um, and I'm excited to see about how, like, they progress, I guess. Especially because this team has had so much turnover. Like, it's so hard to develop players when you're constantly having a new head coach, a new GM, new coordinators all the time. Like, it's impossible to expect guys to – get better when they're constantly learning a new playbook and learning a new scheme. And now like there's at least some consistency here. And so you expect there to be some kind of jump. Yeah. And I mean, the lions were poised to have a good draft based on where they were sitting, but um, first round pick second overall, they took Aiden Hutchinson, obviously the defensive end out of Michigan, who was, you know, thought by many could go number one overall, um, traded up again into the first pick number 12 to get Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama round two, they took Josh Pascal, the defensive end out of Kentucky. And then in round three, they took Kirby Joseph, the defensive back out of Illinois depth pieces, obviously on day three, but I, thought that this was just a masterclass kind of draft for the lions and you know, they're due at some point, right? Like you expect them to have that kind of draft, but if these players hit the way that the, you know, the lions front office wants them to and needs them to for this roster, those are some cornerstones of your franchise for a long time. Yes. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is not knock it out of the park. Like he's going to be good. Um, and every team needs that like 
A1 edge rusher. My favorite pick was Jamison Williams pick. I think it was so brilliant. It was so perfect. They don't need him now. This isn't the Packers who like they have this like short window with Aaron Rodgers where they need someone to come in and contribute. They can let him rest and recover from his injury and then come in when he's ready. Like they have time. Like this is again, this is a building block. They can take these developmental guys because they've got the time. There's no pressure. There's no like need for production now. Now, again, they did take someone, Aiden Hutchinson, who is going to produce now. But then they take someone on the flip side who's going to need some time and he doesn't need to be on the field week one and he's not going to be. And that's okay. And I thought it's just the perfect landing spot for him. Yeah, especially to get, you know, the fifth round option on a guy like Jamison Williams for the Lions to to make that decision and say, hey, his rookie season is probably going to be a wash. But whoever the quarterback is, we'll still have four years with him you know, to develop that chemistry, just really smart moves by the lions. And, you know, something honestly that I don't think we've said too many times on the podcast, just this really sound decision-making. And you can clearly see, you know, kind of the vision that this front office has as far as how this roster can turn around, because the moves that I think they did make the, the additions and the subtractions and the draft picks, all of them were smart. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So what's the record that you're seeing for them? Obviously better than three and 13 or three and 14. I think, you know, that's kind of a given, but, and this might be bold. This might just be me being really high on this existing roster and the way it's shaped on paper. But on pack a day, you know, a couple weeks ago, I said, I thought they could be a contending wildcard team. That doesn't mean really? I think they'll necessarily, you know, make the playoffs. But if we're talking about the Vikings being around 500, I think the lions can push that. The lions have, you know, played the Packers almost better than any other NFC North team the last couple seasons. And I feel like they're a team that's going to be like the dogfight kind of team where I don't expect them to have a Bengals like turnaround where they just, you know, get to the Super Bowl. But I think they'll be in a lot of one score games that maybe they have the opportunity to win now instead of games that they would have lost by one or two scores. I was just thinking that, like, think about how many one score games they lost last year. And if you convert even half of those, then you're getting to more of a 500. They play everybody hard. Everyone. And they have some crazy upsets. And they beat the Cardinals last year randomly. Like there was one game that they beat a playoff team and everyone's like, oh my God, but that's the Lions. And I think that's like the mentality. So I agree with you. Um, I think somewhere around 500. And if their ceiling is wild card contention, that's a crazy, incredible turnaround for them in a really short amount of time. Yeah. So we kind of have dedicated, obviously, the entire podcast to talking about the changes that the Packers have made. But I think we're still in agreement that it's the Packers division to lose this season, potentially for the next couple seasons. But feeling really good about the Lions, Vikings, you know, we'll see what happens. And the Bears just pray for them, I guess, because they still suck. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's not there's not a team that the Packers necessarily have to compete with in division. And I think it hasn't been like that in a really long time. Um, like maybe one season, a couple of years ago, the bears and like the line, the Vikings sometimes, but I think that's a frustrating part for me with the Packers. It's like, it's not like this is the NFC West or the AFC West, right? Like you are going to win the division. So your sights have to be higher, but that's a conversation for another day. 
I was going to say, let's put a pin in that because I feel like we could talk about that for a long time, but I, same thoughts as you, you know, and maybe, maybe that's what this Packers team needs. Maybe they need to be pushed a little bit because they're skating in the first round by and then doing absolutely nothing with it. So maybe if they had, you know, a chiefs and a Broncos and a chargers in their rearview mirror at all times, maybe they need a kick in the butt. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they need their kneecaps bit off. Who? <laughs> I don't know. But that is all the time that we have for today's show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitch, YouTube, and Instagram at Pax What She Said. At some point, we'll be getting back into the Twitch and YouTube lives, potentially when we're up for training camp. We'll see what that looks like. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Paco. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10. He is in for the touchdown. The title is back in town.